Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. You know, I think it's pretty easy to know what I'm going to be talking about in this monologue. It's what just recently happened over in Israel. I mean, it's their Pearl Harbor, their 9-11. I mean, they've had others, the Yom Kippur War and, and other things that they've had to endure. But without a doubt, this incredible incursion until, into a sovereign nation state, by a terrorist organization, should cause us all consternation and concern. And, and I want people to ask yourselves, how do you seek to coexist with an entity whose whole reason for existence is your extermination? And they've proven that time after time after time. But I, I want to start this monologue by, first of all, talking about language and how do we get to this point? Because everyone's running around talk about the Palestinians this, the Palestinians that, the Palestinians da, 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 da. Uh, Israel is an occupier. Let's talk about this word Palestinian and where it comes from. Because I think if we understand the history, then we can start to debunk a lot of the other actions and mess that is going on over there in the Middle East. See, to understand the means by which this word Palestinian or Palestine came from, first and foremost, you got to go a little bit ways back in history. You got to go back to 132 to 135 A.D. Some people call it the second Jewish revolution against the Roman Empire. Others call it the Simon Bar Kokhba revolt. K-O-K-H-B-A. Look it up. Bar Kokhba revolt. Because the, the Jewish people there at the time, they did not want to live under the rule of the Roman Empire. At the time, it was Emperor Hadrian. So Simon Bar Kokhba and the Jews rose up against him. And, and initially, they were successful. They defeated the Romans. I mean, a numerically superior, you know, force. But the Romans just didn't say, okay, that's it, done. We will just forget this whole Judea thing. No, 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 no. They came back stronger. And they ended up crushing the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. And what Emperor Hadrian and the Romans came to understand was that this whole thing, this whole revolt was tied back to the Jewish people, their religion, their beliefs. And so therefore you had to crush it. 
And so what they tried to do was basically exterminate the Jewish people, exterminate their, their foundations, exterminate everything that they believed in, much the same as the Japanese kind of did to Korea in, in World War II, but we can talk about it at a later time. And this really was the beginning of what was called the diaspora because the Jewish people fled and, and went all over the place from out of that region. The Romans decided that they were not going to allow Jerusalem to be called Jerusalem. They changed the name of Jerusalem to Aeolia Capitolina because this was part of eradicating the memory of, of, of the Jews. No Jerusalem, Aeolia Capitolina. But they also decided that the region would no longer be called Judea because they felt that that was tied again to the Jewish people. And this was about completely demoralizing them. So they changed the name of the region, that area, that, that, the, that nation, to Syriac Palestina. Syriac Palestina. And this is how they spell Palestinian, P-A-L-A-E-S-T-I-N-A. -A. That was really the first introduction of this word. And why was it introduced into the region? Because the Romans were trying to eradicate the memory of the Jewish people. Nothing to do with Arabs. But this was punishment to the Jewish people for the Bar Kokhba revolt of 132 to 135 A.D., now, where is the root of this word Palestinia? I did a little digging because, you know, that's how the kernel rolls. Well, for the Romans, the root word went back to Philistia, to the ancient Philistines. And if you further go back and study the origin of the ancient Philistines, who, you know, their kingdom was there in this place called Gaza, they were ancient Greeks, not Arabs. And so I think first and foremost, we have to understand this because all of a sudden a guy by the name of Yasser Arafat comes along and Yasser Arafat creates this thing called the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization. Now, what is interesting to realize is that in between what we're talking about, that history, and, and Yasser Arafat and what he did with the PLO, after World War I, when that area became under the protector, protectorate of the, of the British, they called that area Palestine. And everyone that lived there in that area, Jew, Greek, I mean, Arab, didn't matter, whoever, your passport said Palestine. It had nothing to do with being Arab or whatever. And so I think we have to come to the understanding is that language, again, the ability to create a narrative, again, is so important. And that's what Yasser Arafat did. Yasser Arafat wanted everyone to believe that this land had belonged to Palestinians. And no one studied to understand the root of that word. Nothing to do with Yasser Arafat, nothing to do with Arabs. It had everything to do with punishment to the Jewish people because of the Simon Bar Kokhba revolt.
So here we are today, and we continue to talk about we have to do this for the Palestinians. We must do that for the Palestinians. There has never been a, a nation of Palestine. It's a region. That region was also called the Levant. If you remember, ISIS used to call itself the Islamic State in the Levant. And that name came from, I believe, Italian merchants, sailors, and travelers. So why aren't they called Levantinians? History is so important when you study and understand it. You can debunk a lot of things. But Yasser Arafat introduced this whole thing of using terrorism and propaganda and Western countries. And all of a sudden they saw these people as, you know, victims. And there began the persecution of Israel as it was surrounded by all of these people. There was never anything called the West Bank. That's, that was Judea and Samaria. Then all of a sudden, we've got to have this West Bank thing. And really, the two-state solution was Israel and Jordan. But Yasser Arafat, that, that, that just wasn't good enough for him. So now we have allowed and we have rewarded this Islamic terrorist and, and, and jihadist movement that is intent on destroying the one, talk about democracy, multicultural society in the Middle East, truly. And that's Israel. And so you have got the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which today is now the Palestinian Authority. No different. They just wear suits. Hezbollah, which is in Lebanon, Hamas, and Islamic Jihad. All of these entities have been focused on one thing, the extinction and the extermination, the eradication of Israel. And now they have a sponsor. I mean, Iran is Shiite, but it doesn't matter. Anybody that wants to destroy Israel, that's the most important thing because Iran wants to have a clear land bridge that takes them from Iran, Persia, all the way over to the Mediterranean. And why would it be, and, and you know, I've been listening to all these leftist talking heads, you really can't make the connection, or Tony Blinken saying, we really don't know that Iran has, has, has had, had, had a part in this. You got to be delusional and deranged. On 9-11 of this year, Joe Biden, who, are, by the way, when this was all happening, they, he wanted to sleep. They didn't wake him up. You know, nine Americans killed. He was throwing a barbecue for White House employees. The Monday of the, uh, after the attack, nine Americans killed, possibly hostages. He says, you know, I'm done for the day before noon. But on 9-11 this year, Joe Biden sent $6 billion. And that, that $6 billion right now is, you know, tied up with Qatar. And Qatar is not exactly a friend to the United States of America. I don't care what you say. They're in bed with a, a, a lot of these terrorist organizations. As a matter of fact, those members of the Taliban, those five or six senior members of the Taliban that Barack Obama released, they were hanging out in Qatar, just biding their time and waiting. Now they're back in the exact same positions in Afghanistan. But anyhow, that $6 billion sitting over there in a the bank in Qatar. But what it enabled was that Iran could use now $6 billion to 
funnel back again to his terrorist client entities. The number one sponsor of Islamic terrorism in the entire world, the Biden administration freed up $6 billion. The number one sponsor of Islamic terrorism in the world, the Biden administration, has kind of been turning a blind eye on enforcing the sanctions against them. So they're out there selling their oil all over the place, while we, thanks to the Biden administration, have undermined our energy independence. Weakness is enticing to your enemy. And oh, by the way, there are reports out there that some of the $80 billion plus dollars of weaponry that was left in Afghanistan to the Taliban is being used over in Gaza. To me, that's called aiding and abetting a terrorist organization. And, and what, uh, what are we to think about these folks that were out there recently in New York City or some of these kids on college campuses that are applauding what a terrorist organization did to innocent civilians? I mean, going into homes, pulling grandmothers out, attacking a, a, a young people's concert in the desert, murdering them, leaving on the side of the road. I, I even saw and read about a young woman who was killed Stripped down to her underwear, put in the back of a truck, taken back over to Gaza. Her body was mutilated. But y'all are cheering that? Y'all are talking about, you know, this is a good thing that a terrorist organization, a non-state, non-uniform belligerence on the battlefield, no protections by the United Nations. I mean, the uh, Geneva Convention, no protections under the Geneva Convention because the Geneva Convention did not want people running around in civilian clothes on the battlefield because it endangers civilians. And that's what you're cheering? Hey, Christopher Ray, FBI, when are you going to go knock on their doors and say, hey, we got a picture of you out here supporting Hamas. Let's have a talk. I mean, you find it easy to do that to pro-life activists, people that just want to save babies from being murdered in the womb. But yet people that are going out there and cheering on terrorist organizations here in the United States of America. And I've been at a rally here in Dallas, Texas, doing one of the previous kerfluffles where Hamas was attacking Israel. And all of these people came out with these quote-unquote Palestinian flag. They're just nomadic Arabs. That's all they are, terrorists. But they come out with these flags, shouting, screaming, yelling, death to Israel. Where's the FBI? Where's law enforcement? But, oh, by the way, you know, if you go up to the Capitol here in the United States of America, you're a domestic terrorist. But if you cheer on terrorists that are on a terrorist watch list, a designated terrorist organization, that's what we say. That's okay. The left is not going to do anything about it. No, by the way, where is Barack Obama? Hadn't heard a peep out of him, have you? Oh, Barry Sotero. Oh, Hussein. Yeah, I said it. You know, the same guy that invited the Muslim Brotherhood to the front row when he spoke at the University of Cairo back when he was first elected. I'm watching you. And see, I've been to Israel on a couple of occasions. I've been down there 
in southern Israel. I've been to northern Israel. I've been up there in certain observation points and been able to look over to Lebanon, Lebanon. But I've been down there to southern Israel. And, you know, they actually had to say, hey, hey, Colonel, keep your head down because they got snipers. But I've been to the playgrounds where the kids have to have bomb shelters. Kids that have PTS, post-traumatic stress. Now, somehow you're going to tell me that Israel is in the wrong. When people have violated their sovereign border, come in, terrorist organizations, come in and killing their civilians. I think we're up to like eight or 900 civilians. But again, nine Americans dead, some taken hostage. What should our response be? Well, we shouldn't be sending them another $6 billion saying, you know, we'll help you out. No. You crush them. You unleash hell. Because some people in the world, that's all they understand. That's all they get. But see, you just wait. The propaganda war is about to start. Because all of a sudden, everything will be turned against Israel. Oh, those mean Israelis are going into Gaza. That's where the rockets came from. That's where the people on paragliders came from. What are they supposed to do? Those mean Israelis are going down there. Oh, my God, look at the civilians that were killed in Gaza. That's where the terrorists put their headquarters. They parked their rocket launchers next to hospitals and apartment buildings. Why aren't we demonizing and disparaging them? Because, in essence, the progressive socialist left are a bunch of anti-Semites. And you can already see it happen. You can turn over to MSNBC and you can see some of the chatter. You can go out there on some of the social media platforms. You can see some of the things that Ilan Omar is saying. Where is Rashida Tlaib? Where does she stand on this? She is a representative in the United States of America House of Representatives. She's a member of our Congress. Is she siding with a terrorist organization? I mean, Rashida, simple question. Because if you're siding with a terrorist organization, you should be stripped of your title as a United States member of Congress. You can go back over to Gaza. I don't care. Because people that are out here supporting a terrorist organization, if you're an American citizen, we need to question you. If you're not an American citizen, you probably shouldn't be here. And, oh, by the way, if you don't think what is happening in Israel could not happen here in the United States of America, thanks once again to Joe Biden, the amount of military-aged males that are in this country legally should cause you grave concern to include Chinese military-aged males. Now, see, the, the difference is that in Israel— it's only about 2 to 3%, maybe 4% of their population are gun owners. Now, I would tell you, if I were over there as the leader in, in Israel, every single civilian down along the Gaza Strip or up north, closer to Lebanon, they would have the right to keep and bear arms. Unequivocally. Unequivocally. Because you can't have people going into folks' homes, dragging them out and executing them. Women and children. That's what happened. Bashing in their heads. 
But yet here in the United States of America, we have the Biden administration allowing all these single military aged males to come in. Maybe Venezuela is infiltrating their army into here. We keep hearing about all these Venezuelans. But yet the left also is talking about we got to disarm legal law abiding gun owners here in America. Michelle Luan Grisham tried that over there in New Mexico. That was a test balloon. That was a trial run. Good thing it was not successful. But that's their mentality. So with our unsecured borders, we could be setting ourselves up for the exact same thing, except the difference is here in America, 60 to 65 percent of Americans are gun owners. And we're not going to sit around and take that crap. But you just watch and see what's going to happen pretty soon. Within the next two weeks, when Israel crosses over and goes into the Gaza Strip, the anti-Semitic leftist, their propaganda machine is going to kick in, aided by the complicit leftist media. And somehow Israel is going to be the, the well, they're going to be the bad guy. You know, it's interesting that you cannot see, you know, some places are already censoring some of the photos and some of the atrocities, the barbaric and savage things that have happened to Israeli citizens. But you watch and see, nothing will be censored coming out of Gaza when the Israeli military crosses and goes in. So there's a simple choice. Who do you stand with? You stand with the number one ally of the United States of America in the Middle East? To my American Jewish brothers and sisters, who do you stand with? Are you going to continue to support a political entity, a party here in the United States of America that wants to see your extermination, your extinction? Yeah, they do. Because if you had just so happened to travel over to Israel in this time, and been killed, well, it was the fault of the party and the person you voted for to be commander-in-chief, to be the president, the guy that had to take a nappy-nappy. He couldn't be bothered to wake up. Or with nine Americans killed, hostages, he's throwing a barbecue for White House employees, executive building employees, or he's calling it a day the Monday after this invasion at noon. You're going to continue to support that? You're going to continue to vote for that? You're going to continue to allow people here in the United States of America to say that you deserve to die? You're not going to understand your own history? What we are see, see happening there is a result of the weakness. And, and don't forget, when Joe Biden was vice president, it was Barack Obama's president. That's when we got ISIS. And now as Joe Biden has become president in name only, he's just a puppet. Barack Obama's out there still ruling the house. And Hamas and Hezbollah are emboldened. Now you say, Colonel, what would you do? I'd, I'd tell... Hamas right now, clock's ticking. You release those Americans, 
or we're going to take out every single capability that you have, and we will firmly support Israel. You tell Hezbollah, you want to enjoin into this, you will receive the collateral butt-whipping as well. You want to tell Iran that we're tightening up the sanctions on you. We're going to go back to being energy independent. We're going to starve you of resources. But that ain't going to happen with this guy who's too busy taking a nap or forgetting where he is or falling up and down stairs. Elections have consequences. And for hundreds of people in Israel and non-Americans, and also the Americans that we lost in Afghanistan and the, the Afghans who are now living once again, under a brutal terrorist dictatorship, elections have consequences. Next year, will we remedy this situation and rectify this situation? Or will we continue to march down the road of being the biggest laughing stock that the world has ever seen and enticing and encouraging our enemies? I choose to fight. I stand with Israel, and you should too. Because if not, you're standing with a terrorist organization that, as they have said, it's the little Satan first and then the big Satan next, and that's us. But if you're steadfast and loyal, you just look at them and say, bring it. Steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down